You're listening to the Future of Enterprise podcast. This is Fawn Hintrell, your host, and I'm glad you could join us. Today, we're talking about training with my guest, Lenora May. She is the VP of Business Development at Sandler Training. We will discuss everything there is to know about training as it relates to business and sales. Thanks for joining us, Lenora. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much, Fawn, for having me. Yes. So I'm excited. You're our first guest on our podcast. Okay. That must be a good thing. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and, you know, today we're just going to share with our audience, really, um, there are a lot of disruptive things that are happening as it relates to the workplace. So our audience are businesses, business leaders. Um, you have people who have various roles across various functions in organizations who are listening to us. And maybe we have some future workforce people who are listening to us. And we just want to share with them about how they can really be competitive and compete in this new, what I would say, new normal. I'm not sure if it'll ever go back to what it was. So that's what we're going to talk about today with our audience. Would you love to share with them a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Um, so I've been working with this company, Sandler Training, for almost eight years now. Uh, Sandler Training has been around for over 50 years. It's an international company made up of franchises all around the globe. And um, basically, it's sales training. However... I have to make it clear that we don't teach people how to sell because that is really a bad word. Uh, nobody wants to be sold to, and that's sort of something that was done back in the you know 80s. And and we we have um, sort of created actually David Sandler created a system to sell by. So you can follow the system as you go, which is based on behavioral therapy. So it's about how people buy and the way that we teach people to communicate their sales is through questioning skills, not by telling, not by doing, not telling presentations, but by questioning, deep questioning and qualifying. So our motto is never be closing, always be qualifying. That's great. And I think that's really important in this new age of COVID. And really, you know, COVID has really been one of the things that's been on a global scale. But I think if we look at the workplace and how things are changing, there's various emergencies and disasters that are happening. So it doesn't have to be COVID for people to shift in in the right. workplace or how they sell or generate new business in the workplace. So talk to me a little bit about this behavioral therapy. Sandler's, I guess, thought process or just his methodology. Okay, so the thing that really uh, frustrated David Sandler as a salesperson, and he was quite successful, but he still found it very frustrating because prospects or customers, including ourselves as customers, we are all, you know, potential customers, we would show or, or prospects do show a lot of enthusiasm. They, they click on, they find you, or they you know, one way or another they find you, now they show enthusiasm. They often ask for information. 
And too often people are willing to give that information without asking any questions. And so people would get very excited. Yes, yes, we love this. This is terrific. We're going to do this. And what will happen? They disappear. They ghost. What we call ghosting today, back then was disappearing. And there you put your Nikes on and you're chasing people for months and months, tracking them down. Wait a minute, you said you were interested. And there we go. So what it is, is it's a smokescreen. Nobody wants to be sold to. People, uh, if they have a real need, what needs to happen in that exchange, what, what he learned through the behavioral therapy is that very much like a doctor, instead of sounding like a vendor, you become more of an advisor. So when you go to a doctor, let's say your arm was dislocated and you walked in and doctor said, oh, oh, wow, you know what? You're so lucky today. We have a two-for-one special and I can get you into surgery this afternoon. You would run out the door. Even with your dislocated shoulder, you would know that this sounds terrible to you. But what we do expect is you walk in, you're in pain, the doctor says, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how does it feel? What's it like when you do this? What's it like when you do that? Has this happened before? What happened then? How long did that last? What were you doing when this happened? Are you wearing new shoes? Are you, are you in a new job? And all of these questions, and some of them don't seem specifically relevant, but the doctor knows that they are, uh, is there to help A, the, the, the patient feel comfortable and taken care of um, and understood. So it's the same in sales. You, right away, you feel comfortable with that doctor. You're not going to run out the door. You're feeling like, oh, my God, he, he knows what he's talking about. He's even asking me things I never thought of. I'm, gonna, I'm right here. I'm going to stay right here with this guy or this woman. And what we do is the same in sales. So rather than, hey, you know, uh, I, I heard that you're in HR, Fun. Um, you know, what do you do in HR? And all of a sudden, Fawn's standing there and she's saying, well, I do this and then we do that and we do this and we do that, rather than what we teach people to do is call a reverse. You know, that's a great question. I get asked that a lot. Just curious, what makes you ask? So now what's happened is the focus is on them. They're going to have to tell us what's going on. Why did they ask that question? We will never begin a sales process by answering a question like that. We need to find out many things. The first thing is, what's behind the question? Is there real pain? Is there something we can solve? If there's nothing we can really solve, we're doing them a disservice to take their time, and they're doing us a disservice by taking our time. So we need to know how real this is. Are they looking just for free consultation? And then they're going to get off the phone with you and go shopping on Google. Well, we need to know how real that is. So what makes you ask makes them tell you what's going on. If they start, you know, right away with pricing, which I hear a lot from people, right away, I know I need to know the price. So the question would be to that. Well, that's, that's a great question, but is price your only criteria? So you can sort people out right away. You can put them into categories and you can protect yourself from free consultation, from looky-loos, from people who are really just interested and want to run and shop on themselves. Whatever it is they're up to, you need to find out what that is. Most importantly, you need to find out their pain, whether you can solve it, are, are they the decision maker, or are you talking to somebody 
way down the line, how their decisions get made. Is this, is this, do they have the, the budget? Do they have the means for your service? And there are all, all kinds of wonderful ways to get that information that don't, and they don't sound, um, more of a consultative, uh, you know, advisor, and, and people on a higher level really appreciate. You were saying more that you want them to be more advised right. to them in asking the questions. So I guess my next question would be, what types of things are you seeing today in terms of disruptions in business? Okay, well, I think the biggest one uh, that's the obvious one was the was COVID. And what we saw, and we still hear, even today, is people are sort of um, giving up on their process because they want to pin it on the crisis. Well, you know, COVID came, and then all of a sudden, you know, we did it, we had to do a 360, and people were not quick enough on their feet. They did not understand that just because COVID was happening, there were lots of other places to seek business. There were other ways. There were ways to do business, maybe a little different than you'd already done. So rather than and continuing to use that as a sort of an excuse for why things are not what they should be, I think it's more uh, practical to understand that, yes, there was a problem for everyone, and how can I apply what I do in a new way, in a new light that appeals even in that atmosphere. So, for example, we used to do our classes in person. In Lo we're in Los Angeles. Um, well, we had to do a, a complete 360. We, we went virtual. We also couldn't go to any networking, chamber of commerce, any of that face-to-face. -face. But what we noticed were more and more networking meetings were coming on virtually. So we kicked that up five notches. And we started going on more, many more meetings. And frankly, I think I went on more virtual meetings than I was ever able to do in person. Um, and oddly enough, our business really took off during the pandemic because we flowed with it rather than fight it. So it's really a mindset. And we also work with people on their mindset. Mindset is huge. If you're telling yourself, you have a, a, a sort of a negative thought about something. Well, nobody's going to really want to my product because, you know, with, with COVID, they're not going to want to spend the money. I've heard this a lot. People still have money to spend. They were just being more picky about where they were spending. Right. They had more time to think about it, but it didn't mean that it didn't exist. So how do you take a thought like that and transform it into something that ends up feeding you rather than taking away from your mind. Well, it might be, uh, you know, there are plenty of people, let me explain this. Once you have a, a down thought like that, it feeds your actions. Now the thought, the judgment is, well, they're not going to want to hear from me because, you know, nobody wants right now. Then the other action, that's the judgment, then the action is, I won't make as many calls. Do you think that that's something that you've seen, because you guys work with a plethora of businesses, from large organizations, mm -hmm. probably all the way down to smaller businesses or startups. Is that something you're seeing that's prevalent, regardless of the size of the organization? Well, in the corporate world, we did hear a lot of we're putting things on hold until we figure out what to do. Again, we never saw that as a bad thing. We saw that as let's stay in touch. 
let's let's check in once in a while on a very friendly way. That was another way to pivot. People whose businesses were very strongly affected, they didn't realize they could call people on their, you know, before list and just check in. Hey, what's going on? What how is it affecting you? What's what's happening in your world? That stays with people for a long time. That feeling of somebody called, they didn't call to sell me anything. They were just checking in with me. And we're telling our students to do that. Go back to your list and make some warm calls that were just nothing about sales, just like what's going on with you. So even in the corporate world, if the corporation says, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to take a little pause here, that doesn't mean I pause. It means I put them on my CRM. I know I make a note that I'm going to reach out and, and call the CEO in about a month's time and find out. So what's going on over there? You know, last time we talked, you were on pause. How's that going for you? Keep it going. Keep it alive. That's part of the process. How important is, well, we know mindset's important, but how important is technology and mindset? A lot of organizations in sales may not necessarily take an advisory type of position you know, with their customers, how important is taking that mindset of being an advisor and combining that with technology like using a CRM to stay in touch? There is no, nothing that clashes there whatsoever. It all works together. You can use as much technology as you want as long as your system, your sales system is running. And that, you have a cookbook, we call it a cookbook. Um, let's get it like a pie. You know, when you do investments, nobody tells you to put all your money into one place. They have a pie, and you have pieces. It's all broken up. You know, some of it's in stocks, some of it's in bonds, some of it's, it's international, some of it's cash. We create cookbooks for everyone, and that means all the different things that you need to do to keep your business flowing. And you may have, you may load your CRM up and have dates in there. That doesn't mean you stop doing your physical networking, your, your, your one-to-ones, or your or giving your your talks, if that's what you do on a regular basis, looking for those gigs. There's no reason why technology should fight you. It's, it's a tool. It's an incredible tool. LinkedIn is an incredible tool. All the, I spoke to a woman yesterday who used TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all in her marketing. There's nothing wrong with that, but, but, but be clear. Sales is not marketing. Marketing goes on regularly. That's how you get your name out there. That's how you get your brand. Sales begins when someone raises their hand. They found you, and now they need to talk to you about what's going to actually happen. So those are two different animals. And as, as opposed to marketing, when it comes to sales, more personal is better than in other words, we would not recommend having important conversations via email. We would highly recommend always putting a visual, virtual, however you want to do it, in your calendar with that other person and get that set up as early as possible. As we look at the disruptions and Sandler having a cookbook, so I know how important it is to have tools that people can use, sales teams can use, salespeople can use. Share a little bit more about why someone would want to use a cookbook as a tool to help them. Well, first of all, it keeps you on track. You know, we're, we're running around. We're, we're, some of us are working from home. We get lots of distractions. So 
how do we stay on track? Well, having the cookbook means you check in, you say, okay, today I have to do my two hours of whatever that is. If it's cold calls, if it's my, my uh, giving a speech, if it's, if it's networking, and, and then you can track that. You can see which action you do on a regular basis seems to bring in the best results. And so you can adjust it anytime you want. You can say, gee, you know, I seem to be doing better when I do one-on-ones than when I just send out uh, sort of an email uh, letter. My email letters are okay. I get Occasionally I get a response, but I seem to do better on the one-on-one. So why don't I kick that up a couple of hours a week? And you can adjust it any way you want. But it also keeps you from procrastinating and being very lazy or distracted, more likely, and stay on track. If you follow your, your system, it works. It's as simple as that. But it's important to have a system, you know. Well, yes. And, and, and one of the things I consult and my team consults with, especially smaller businesses, a lot of times those small business owners are really great technicians. They are really great at their functional expertise and experience. But when it comes to running a business and other aspects of a business and sales, business development, those are all big pieces. They In marketing, they may not even understand the difference between sales and marketing. You just gave us a really great example. And the cookbook is something that I think anyone's looking for an organization to help them pull all of these pieces together. Or as I always say, what is the cadence? So whether you're one person, two, three people, if you're that one technician and you need to document your value proposition, how it is that you're going to go out and talk about your business, you have to have something documented. So if you bring on another person in your organization, the cookbook that Sandler helps organizations put together, that's really going to be important from a knowledge management perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And also it helps in larger companies, it helps the CEO and, and owners keep an eye on their, their, their workers from a managerial, managerial point of view to, to, to make sure they can sort of see what's going on. It just it makes it that much easier to keep track of what's happening out there. So is and, that and, something that's more from work from home or remote workers, keeping people connected? Is that what you're saying that's advantageous yes. for larger companies? Uh, whether you're remote or you're in an office, you can still lose track of how do you keep someone accountable for what they're doing? How do you know what's going on other than, okay, they, they brought in, you know, some sales this week, but what's really happening? What are their daily skills? What are they doing most of their day? So the system helps, you know, helps you as a business owner follow that as well, holding your team accountable. And that's really great to hear because Remote work isn't new, but it's new to many organizations on such a large scale. And what the pandemic has shown, I think many organizations from small to large, is to compete for a really great top talent, skilled talent, specialty talent. They now know, these organizations, that people are looking at, Really, what's ideally suited for them? What's best for them? And a lot of people are finding, I can get my work done from home, and it doesn't affect anything in terms of what it is that I'm doing. But organizations 
may not really be prepared for that type of disruption on a large scale with teams because they don't have an infrastructure in place right. to really kind of manage that. Share with me a little bit about in our audience, how does Sandler help organizations? What type of services can you provide to organizations to manage that disruption of really putting together a system? Well, um, I guess it's the same thing. If we, were, we, we do work with uh, large corporations and we have management classes and then we have classes. CEOs can attend all these classes. So we highly recommend that the owners or CEOs uh, are in on, this, on these classes with everybody else. So everybody's on the same page. I'll give you an example. We had um, a couple of salespeople um, from, I think it was sort of a, I'm trying to remember the, the kind of company it was. It had to do with technical equipment. And we were teaching them. They were sent to us. We gave them the Sandler, you know, we're, we're giving them the how to ask questions. And one of the things we recommend at a, a live show would be that you don't just run some film there randomly over and over again. Because that takes away from the one-on-one. -on -one. People stand there, they look, and they go, okay, and they walk away. There, there's no conversation there, no exchange. So these two gentlemen went to the conference. They didn't realize the CEO was going to be there. And he, because he was not on the same page with what they'd been learning for the last six months, he says, come on, we're going to set up the teleprompt. We're going to put the, the screen up. And they were thinking, mm, how do we break it to him that we don't want to do that? We want to be able to talk to people here and not have them just stare at a screen. So you have to be on the same page, whether it be the technique you're using, the cookbook, who's going to be doing what, and then being able to, when we teach the management, be able to hold everyone accountable, learning systematically how to do that as well. And again, in a very healthy atmosphere, so that you're not just coming at people, you're asking questions, even of the people in the workplace. You know, we, we want people to understand there's a 30-70 ratio in talking, and this is in all of it. And if you are talking 70% of the time and they are only talking 30, you do not have power in that conversation. And everybody thinks, no, I have more power because I'm talking. Wrong. We want you to talk 30% and the either the prospect or the person you're dealing with, interviewing for a job, or the person who works for you, it doesn't matter what setting, let them talk 70%. You will learn everything you need to know. So that's interesting. In terms of working remote and having to not see people face-to-face, -face, as you were sharing with us, what ways can professionals translate their sales pitches from that face-to-face -to, -face to phone and video using some of the techniques and things that you're sharing. Okay, great. So one of the most important things, um, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about cold calls. Uh, I actually cold call CEOs. And in my previous experience, if I did that, I'd be shaking, I'd be terrified. It was a horrible experience. Nobody wants a cold call. Nobody, not us, me, not you. But that's the mindset. Well, nobody wants to talk to me. So the thing is to turn that thought into an empowering thought. That's the first step. Now, instead of thinking they don't want to talk to me, I'm thinking, well, out of millions of people who are on the planet and have businesses, a few of them really need what I have. 
And when they hear that it's me, they're going to be actually glad to hear from me because it saved them the time and energy to have to find us. And they, I can perhaps fill them in on some information. So that's number one, the empowering, the empowering thought. Number two, cold calling itself. We all get these cold calls where somebody says, you say hello, and right away that other person launches. And you can't even get a word in. And you, all you want to do is, how do I get off the phone? How can I hang up? Well, we have a whole thing which is based on everything else we do, which is based on permission-based questioning. I call. Uh, Hi, this is Lenora May from Sandler Training. Um, am I catching you at a bad time? And they, that's what we call a, 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 discon, um, a, a disruption of thought. It's, um, it turns their mind from usually they, they don't expect that. They expect that you're going to launch and they're going to say, um, is this a bad time? And you're going to go, yes. But instead we say, am I catching you at a bad time? So they have to say no. And that's a different response. And usually I would say 8 out of 10 will say no. What is this about? And I will say, well, in, I can tell you in about 20 seconds the reason for my call. And if it doesn't apply to you, we can just hang up. Would that be okay? And most people, again, 8 out of 10, will say, sure, go ahead. Or 20 seconds, you got it. Or they'll joke, you got 10 seconds. Whatever. And I do my 20-second elevator pitch, which in, in, in being faithful to Sandler is not about me and not about what I do. It's about the pain that the people who come to us have when they come to us, the pain that we solve. And I use those three pain points. I give three examples. I say, I don't suppose you have any of those issues. And usually, that's a cue. Um, if it's somebody who really does have an issue, they'll say, well, you know, everyone has that in business. I've heard that a lot. I'll say, well, which one speaks the loudest to you? And now we're into a conversation. So that's really more of what you guys talk about, that connecting with yes. the prospective client yes. to understand. I think the pain points are really important. I think the conversations that people have in terms of how they go to market and trying to get business needs to look a little bit different because that conversation is different to some extent when you are not face-to-face. And having to kind of adjust your method, your technique. Do you recommend that people practice? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's part of the deal. We, that is not going to come easily for most people. Even someone as, I don't know, I'm kind of an outward person. Even, even, even someone like me, it, it has to be learned. And then you learn it and it becomes yours. So we don't want everyone to sound like a robot. And that's why when, when people come to us, they, we ask for a year commitment once a, once a week for a year. If it's a large group, maybe it's twice a month. But there's a large commitment there because anybody who's listening, if you go to a boot camp, I don't care what the topic is, you come out of there and you are so happy and you are high and saying, yeah, this is great. I feel psyched up. Two weeks later, you are right back to where you were. You have not been able to incorporate those behaviors because you have to practice. And so we practice. Role play. We have to practice. Face-to-face um, -face wise, it's the same thing. You know, uh, it's always permission-based. It's always um, question-based. 
doesn't matter if we've set up a meeting in, in advance. It doesn't matter if it's a cold call. The principle is the same. Yeah, that's that's really good. I think the practicing piece is, is going to be important um, for our, our listeners and for organizations who are looking to really kind of build their sales teams. How is Sandler able to help them in really kind of expanding and maybe even identifying the right people? Absolutely. And it's all done the same way. And it's it's the right to the point because you're not wasting your time, you're not wasting their time, but you are going to find out some information, just like that doctor. Doctor's not going to even touch you until he or she figures out what is going on here. And that's, that's the same in sales, it's the same in hiring, uh, it's the same in managing. You have to know what's going on first. So you have to do your due diligence with questioning. So are there ways, because at times we find that there are leaders who may not espouse a lot of the same teachings that Sandler would want those sales reps to deploy on a day-to-day -day basis. What advice can you give to people who are on the ground and maybe what you're teaching or you're sharing with them about the permission-based selling may not be something that their organization really kind of teaches or, you know, suggests. Maybe sometimes they are saying make 80 calls a day or make 50 calls a day and read this script. What advice would you give those individuals to really kind of use and look at Sandler as an option to kind of come help them even in those situations? Well, you're talking about sort of two different things because if somebody works for a company and they're being told to do it this way, read this script, this is how we want it, you don't have much choice in that. Usually someone who's in a position like that, they're not running their own company, is not going to come to Sandler for help because they're just, they're just employed and they're being told to do it a certain way. If they're, they're a solopreneur, they're their own boss, and their earnings are based on what they do, they can see for themselves it doesn't work or it doesn't work consistently. Now, even under the gun of somebody saying, do it this way, they might think, well, this is crazy. This doesn't work either. This makes it harder for me. But the higher-ups, if we're dealing with the owners of that company who have always said, you've got to do it this way, and they are beginning to see a, a downturn, they're beginning to find that their people are burned out. They're beginning to notice it's not really working as it, as it was or it, it should, according to them. They're the ones who are going to come to us and say, what do you do differently? And we, you know, we offer um, examples. For example, we do a complimentary executive briefing once a month. People can come to that session, see exactly how it works. We invite people to be a guest at one of our classes, virtual class. Um, usually they need a little, they want a little flavor of it. They want to see how it works. And we are always happy to do that. But if, if, if somebody is just hired and they can't break those rules or they don't have the, the wherewithal to do that, they're generally probably not going to be a prospect for us. Unfortunately. So who's your ideal customer for Sandler? Well, it would be anybody who is a, in business for themselves, solopreneurs, small companies, and of course, larger corporations who have large sales teams and are having some of those difficulties that I mentioned during my call call, like 
they're frustrated. Their, their team is not getting in front of enough qualified prospects. The team is having trouble differentiating themselves from competitors. They're just sick and tired of not closing enough new business. That's when they will come to us. Those are our, our, our prospects. Do, which ones do I like? Do I think Sandler works really well with? Well, everyone, but I will say that personally, I think working with left-brained people is great because they don't know how to do this questioning thing. It's not natural for them. They want to talk techno-speak. Lawyers do legal legal speak. Uh, IT people, you know, techno-speak. Techno they scare people. The people don't even know what they're talking about. They just see the dollar signs. So we have to convert that way of thinking and behavior and behaving into learning, teaching them how to stop and ask a question and listen and keep their mouth shut. So that's the, while they're listening. <laughs> that's hard for a lot of people. And I can tell you, it is. you know, when I think about my next question in terms of what can business owners and leaders do uh, in general to really adapt and compete and meet these ensuing demands. That's interesting. You said, not talk as much. That's that's, right. that's really interesting. How hard is that? Sometimes your question is the is the is your tool for getting your prospect to understand what it is you actually do. I've met people that do many many things. They wear many hats. Their businesses. There are so many different services under the umbrella. Well, you're not going to sit there and talk about every service. You, you you'd have to carry that person out on a stretcher. They can't listen to that. You have to find out what specifically. Is the, is the piece that you can apply to and address the, that. And the only way to know is to ask. Uh, and the, the nature of your question sheds light on that problem. Some people come and they don't even know what the real problem is. And it's your job to enlighten them without telling them, but by asking. Um, and also, here's one other thing I have to throw out there that came to mind earlier. Uh, we really don't... Uh, we really push for uh, questioning and doing your due diligence way before you get into any presentations or anything of that nature. So one of the things to go back to David Sandler, uh, one of these uh, smokescreen things that people do is, oh, you know, send me some information. So people get caught in that web where they start sending out all this lovely material. Well, that goes nowhere. Nobody really cares about any of that. They could read about that online. We want you to engage. So the question at that point is, so I, I understand you're asking for material. What specifically would you like to, to know about? What, what, what are you learning? Because I have a lot of material, and I wouldn't want to overwhelm you. And get them to tell you, and then find out with your more questioning if they even have to see the material or if they're very left-brained and they need the material, because I've met people like that too. But again, you have to pinpoint it. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I called the CEO. I got the the, goal, the, uh, the uh, gatekeeper on the line. And that was something I wanted to address earlier also, is how to get through the gatekeepers. So I try a few times before I ever give up, and then I kept getting the gatekeeper. And finally she said, well, what is this about? And I decided to make her my ally. So I said, well, I'm with a company that does sales training, and we typically, and I gave her the pin, pain points. And she said, well, you know, let me pass that on to him. I said, fine. She called me about a few days later and said, he wants to see some material. He's interested, but he, need, he wants you to send some material. And I said, well, you know, we have so much material. 
it really wouldn't be a, um, appropriate to just inundate him with all this. It would really make more sense for he and I to have a one-to-one -one conversation so I can find out specifically what he needs material on. She put a calendar date on his calendar. It eventually got changed because he wasn't there to approve the date. But guess what? We had a one-to-one -one conversation. I found out everything he was having issues with. And the more I asked, the more he got into pain. He was passionate about what was happening and what was wrong and why he needed help. And when you get someone to an emotional state, that's when they will buy. People buy emotionally. So they became clients. And he sent us a few uh, of his representatives. Yeah, that's interesting. As a business owner and then also having several certifications as a business, we've seen a lot of procurement officers reach out to us and ask for, because they're working off of a supplier list or a um, certified women business owner list. And they say, hey, we need a for you to send us over a quote for this service, right? So those are a lot of things that you're talking about. And you send the quote, then they issue a RFP based on your quote, okay? And nowhere in there do you ever get an opportunity to talk to the person who's really, I guess, having the pain point, having the pain. And it's been interesting having conversations with the procurement officers because they're wanting a quote for something that they really can't give you specific information on. And then they issue an RFP based off of your quote and then you don't get the actual business. That's right. So you're you're having, there's so many places there where there's a disconnect. So again, not every, not all situations are equal. I do agree that at times, especially with government contracts, sometimes you just have to jump through a few hoops. But there are some opportunities and ways to, to make it a, a, a different conversation. And I'm just going to tell you that this, was not a government agency and and okay. yeah and those are, I that's what we've we've continued to see throughout the pandemic that they want to do business with women businesses you know they have um initiatives to do business with small businesses but there's a disconnect we see internally with the procurement teams and then also the business units that they support and there's a breakdown and so it, the communication never really gets to the organizations that they're requesting the quotes on yes well again it might it it, it, it that's a yeah. complicated situation mm -hmm. however there are ways to make that person an ally there's a way to 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 almost train them to rehearse them for what you need to know before you will give a quote. You see, once you quote, you've lost all your leverage. You might want to say, is it possible to have a, a three-way virtual call, including the decision maker? There's a lot of ways, but if you never ask, right. you will not receive. And in the world of sales, you have to have the guts mm -hmm. to take the no. And that's why we don't say just send stuff out there. Because people do it because they're afraid. And if they're willing to say, no, I'm not going to just send you stuff, that's not going to help you and it's not going to help me. 
that's a no. I'm, I'm putting I'm putting a line in the sand, and that's how I work. And then you get way more respect for that rather than let me get you in for a two for one special this afternoon. So uh, again, with procurement, there might be somebody there whose ear we can get to, who we can ask some questions of. Well, are you aware of of what the criteria is here? What are they looking for? Why is that? It, can we talk a little bit about? In the past, how has it been done before? What sort of uh, um, processes have you gone through? Is it ever possible to have that person's ear? Get as much as you can. And then they're going to say, wow, this person stands out. This person's different than the five other companies I just talked to who just threw me a quote. This person seems to have something going on that's a little different, and that's how you differentiate Definitely. as well. Well, it's interesting. We seem to have an audience question, and it comes through, and it says, what advice would you give to people who need to sell and take control of their sales process when you have a short sale cycle? Well, it works whether it's short sale or long sale. It, 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 the system works. It's have a system so you don't always feel like you're, you're, you're reinventing the wheel and throwing spaghetti on the wall and hoping it, it sticks. Don't drink hopium, folks. When you have a system, the advice is get on board, whether you're with us or someone else, but find a system you can follow that has a little bit of these guidelines in it. You know, we're not the only ones out there who, who teach this kind of thing. Um, I think that it's important to understand your prospect, and you have to get some skills under your belt to do that. It's not about selling. It's absolutely the opposite of selling. Don't be afraid to open your mind to a different possibility. If something is not working, um, let's say you did a recipe three times and it came out crummy every time. It just didn't taste good. Wouldn't you be willing to try something new? And so you know, test the water, come over, take one of our executive briefings, uh, take a class as a guest, or open your mind to the possibility that there is a way of doing business that doesn't necessarily feel like you thought it should feel. It, it's a little bit more um, liberating to have this because you're free to move around the cabin more. You have more control over the sales process when you when you have a system like this. So don't be afraid of the no. Don't always be closing. Always be qualifying. And the only way to do that is to ask questions and find out if the organization or the person in front of you does have a need. You don't want to sell to someone who doesn't have a need or sell at an inappropriate time when they're not ready yet. You want to find out everything there is to know. Um, I'll give you a very quick little example. Salesperson was um, um, trying to uh, bring in workers to a guy who had a janitorial company. He wanted to, you know, sell him some people that would work for him. The CEO, the owner of the janitorial company, said, "So do you use uh, um, ex-cons? You ever hire ex ex-cons?" Salesperson's thinking, "Uh-oh, I should have asked him first. Because now he doesn't know. If I say yes, and this guy is against it, I'm sunk. If I say no, and he says, well, I, I like to help ex-cons, and if you don't use them, then that's not okay with me. So he didn't do his due diligence. His due diligence would be, so tell me, are there any specific sort of people that 
you like to hire or you don't like to hire. Let them tell you. Yeah, and that's that's definitely um, great example that you provided that people can use to really qualify, as you said, the prospect. And that is an art. And I think that Sandler has some great tools and resources and training that can help businesses of any size and if not a business, an individual at all levels. So how do they get in touch with you, Lenora? Oh, thanks for asking. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm LinkedIn and my name is Lenora, L-E-N-O-R-A. Last name is May like the month. I don't think it's hard to find me. I don't think there are too many Lenora Mays. You can always send me a little uh, connective um, line and I will get back to you. I'd love to invite you to one of our uh, briefings. I am in Los Angeles. However, as you have already heard, we work virtually. So we work with people from everywhere. It no doesn't barriers. It really matter where you are. No barriers. And mm-hmm. that's great because in this environment, <laughs> And this makes it great for everyone because there are no excuses not to get in touch with Lenora May and Sandler training. So this is this has really been great. And hopefully for our listening audience, they've gotten some really great nuggets of information that they can really start to kind of think about how they're selling, who they're selling to how they can really improve or optimize their current practices and really adjust to this, the future of work in terms of what it looks like today. I think you've provided some great insight of information that regardless of if you're face-to-face or you're selling or prospecting over the phone or online, all modes of communications, the practice and your methodology and process still applies. And that's the one thing that stays consistent, regardless of the mode of communication. All right. All right. Fantastic. Well <laughs> hey, said. I get, a, I get an A-plus for um, being able to, to share that back with the audience. Awesome. Right. Well, right. thank you so much for your time today. And I'd like to tell our audience that's all for this episode of The Future of Enterprise. And be sure to sign up to our email list at ascendigroup.com and visit our podcast page, Future of Enterprise, and follow us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. And thanks for listening.